0: gospel comes to us today from the book of Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Matthew chapter 3. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor, for I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now, the ax is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Its winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The word of the Lord. To God. Amen. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and his Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What did you go down to the river expecting to hear? What did you do when you got in your cars this morning to come to the church? What did you expect to hear? Did you expect to go down and listen to John the Baptist, the man with wild hair, disheveled hair, eating locusts and wild honey? Did you go there for your entertainment? I doubt it. Did you go there for a motivational speech? Because John does not have motivational speeches. What did you go down to the river to hear? A prophet, indeed. The prophet, the one who is going to point his finger amongst you and yourselves. The prophet who points out the culture. The prophet who criticizes, critiques the culture. The prophet who criticizes and critiques the king. The one who points to someone else greater than he, greater than anyone else at the river. Pointing them as the way, the truth, and the light. A prophet's job, John did well. A prophet's job never ends with a great ending. Did you come down to hear a preacher? A preacher who gives prophetic warning, who speaks specifically to the sins of the people. The sins that they were coming out to confess, as Matthew says. People from all around the countryside, from Jericho, from Jerusalem, from all throughout Israel, from Judea, they're coming to this river because they hear that it is time to change their ways. They hear that it's time to repent. And John looks at each and every one of them and calls their sins by name. And we can imagine they agree and break down in tears as they take off their robes and head into the water to be baptized once and for all. What did you come to hear? A prophet? A preacher? That's between you and the Spirit. This, uh, this week I was blessed once again. I've been taking a class online with some of my professors from seminary since September. And it's a class on a Reformation history. For one, uh, each time they teach the class, they invite some pastors to be a part of it. For one, just to remind ourselves of our heritage, our history, our culture, and where we came from, and what Luther and the other Reformers were teaching and preaching. But they also invite in these pastors, I think, uh, to help speak to the other hosts of seminary students that are thinking they want to do this preaching gig and my professor, he, uh, he called me out and he goes, hey Craig, what is it like when you are preaching the truth? I, I imagine you don't have a lot of friends. <laughs> the truth is, preachers don't always have a lot of friends. He said what preachers do have is a good dog at home. Amen? And I give thanks for Sergeant Pepper every single day. Because when I come home, he doesn't care what we preach. He doesn't care if we name the sins. It just wiggles his little tail. What did you come to hear? You come to hear that we need a Savior. You come to hear that we need mercy. And John the Baptist, as he was standing there in the water and calling out to every single one of us, he reminds us that we are a broken people. He reminds the people of Israel that once again in their historical uh, narrative, once again they have departed from the ways of God, once again they are more interested in themselves and their politics and their military might and their schmoozing with the Romans for the sake of comfort, peace, and prosperity. Once again he reminds them that everything in their hearts, everything in their minds is the furthest thing away from the God that brought them out of Egypt the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that gave them a land, and gave them generations upon generations of children to fill it. They're focused on themselves once again, and John looks at all of them right in the eyes, and he says, it's time to change. It's time to change. And they repent their sins, and they are baptized with water. This is the Christmas story of Matthew, where it starts. This is the Christmas story of Mark even more clearly at this point, because we're all familiar with Matthew and his genealogy. We're all familiar with Luke and all the angels bursting on high. But for Mark, in Mark's Gospel, this is exactly where it starts. And John the Baptist, even John himself, doesn't realize that right in that moment coming down the pathway himself along the banks of the river he looks out on the bluff, and there is his cousin, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus, too, comes down to the water. And Jesus looks at John, and he says, I want you to baptize me as well. And John, who himself declares that he is unworthy to untie Jesus' sandals, John's like, I, 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 you don't need the baptism. And we, in our Christian faith, we profess he doesn't need the baptism. Jesus is the one sinless being in this world. But Jesus says, I'm going to do this so I can be on the same playing field as each and every one of you. I'm doing this because this is the beginning of faith. He says, I want you to baptize me. And as we know in that faithful story, Jesus comes out of the waters, the heavens are torn open, and we hear the words, this is my son, the beloved. With he I am well pleased. Listen. Repent. It's a unique word that happens in our faith. Repentance, which means to not just change, but literally to turn, to turn and take a new path. For so often in our lives, we hear the word repent, and it sounds like, oh, pastor, here he goes again. He's just reminding us of our sins. Do you know how many times I have been criticized in the last two months for talking about people's sin? But why did you come down to the river? Why did you come to the church? If you're sinless, and you don't need to hear about it, then we don't need to be here, amen? But we're here. We're here. But here's the difference. The repentance is never something you're going to do on your own. You can't. Steve, you've got your own burdens to bear. Paul, you have your own burdens to bear. Lorraine, we have our own burdens to bear. Every single one of us have our burdens to bear, and we will leave these doors, and in our mind, we're going to tell ourselves, gosh, I know exactly what Craig was thinking about. I don't know your sins. Only you do. But you're thinking to yourselves, today is the day I'm going to change it. In fact, New Year's is coming. I'm going to make a resolution to go with it. I'm going to change. I'm going to be a better person. And every single time we do that, what happens we trip, we stumble, fall flat on our face, and I guess we're going down to the river again. The repentance is through Christ. On that day on the river banks in Jordan, when John is preaching, and the Sadducees and the Pharisees are coming, and they're coming in all their fancy robes and They already have the doctrine, the theology mastered in their head. They already know. They're already telling the church. They're already telling the synagogues exactly what it means to be right with God. And John looks at them and says, you brood of vipers, how dare you think you have what it takes to escape the wrath that is to come. Every single one of us, whether we are ready to change our lives or whether we we think we've got it all figured out, It's in that moment there at the river where Christ enters in and he is the one that is going to change you. He is the one that is going to repent you whether you realize it or not. And brothers and sisters in Christ, it starts here. We're blessed today because little Cooper, who's quite energetic, he's, he's thoroughly entertaining this morning, it starts here for him. When we encounter Christ, when we we encounter Christ's words, Christ's promise, when we encounter Christ and the Spirit dwells within us, you will be repented. You cannot shirk that. You cannot change that. Yes, the sins of the world will still affect us, but the repentance is through Christ, and Christ alone, and we live. We live in response to that. We live in response to that with our chins held high, We leave the banks of that river knowing that we are indeed changed. And we will stumble. And that's why we come back to the river again, and again, and again. And after Cooper receives that promise today, we receive it again at the table, in which Christ takes the body and the blood and he says, This you will do, and when you do it you will remember these words, You are forgiven again and again. Brothers and sisters, why did you come to the river? To hear a prophet? Maybe. To hear a preacher call your sins? Yes. But to experience Christ and hear you are mercy, you receive mercy, you are forgiven, you are loved? Indeed. And that is Advent. Thanks be to God.